Welcome to the latest edition of the Fixed Interests podcast series. I'm Jan Friedrich, Head of Middle East and Africa Sovereign Ratings. Today I'm joined by Toby Isles, Director in Fitch Sovereign's team and Lead Analyst for the GCC. Toby, the GCC experienced a massive oil price shock last year. Oil prices have surged since then. So how has the fiscal situation changed now? First of all, it's worth noting in 2020 that, with the exception of Kuwait, budget deficits were slightly smaller than, than in the previous oil price shock in 2015-16. So, and that was despite the broader COVID-19-induced recessions. So while 2020 illustrated the heavy oil dependence of the Gulf region, it also showed some better preparation for a shock than last time around, given fiscal reforms since 2015. Now, in 21, budget deficits will be significantly narrower across the region. Uh, it should be remembered that oil price assumptions for these budgets were very conservative, 40 to $50 a barrel. So oil price outperformance has necessarily driven revenues above target. We're imagining $20 a barrel on average higher oil prices than last year. A $10 change in the oil price leads to anywhere between 3 and 6% of GDP improvement in budgets across the region. So $20 makes a world of, of difference. In addition, at the same time, you know, spending has been restrained so far in the data that we have. And in some cases, Saudi Arabia, for example, VAT, which was hiked last year, is, is reaping dividends and non-oil revenue is growing strongly. Now, I mean, higher oil prices obviously bring the risk over time of, of higher spending um, or weaker reform. This sort of pro-cyclicality has been a feature of the GCC in the past. We think there is a prospect for, for fiscal performance to be somewhat better anchored to plans than in the past, especially in the weaker rated sovereigns with smaller fiscal buffers. Uh, and, th and this is largely because the outlook for oil prices are very uncertain, uh, given sort of global push for lower hydrocarbon demand and, and given that there is spare production capacity waiting in the wings, at least in the near term. So indeed, we forecast oil prices to drop back in 22 and 23 to $55 and $53 for Brent. So given the sensitivities we mentioned earlier, that's, that's quite significant. We do think higher oil production will offset some of this lower oil price for budgets, um, with the exception of Bahrain and Qatar, which will see flat production. And at the same time, we expect some of the plans will be continued with some further reforms. And so overall, budget deficits in 22-23 remain at around 21 forecast levels for Bahrain, Oman and Saudi Arabia. For Bahrain, we should add that that, that implies a high single-digit deficit and rising debt. So still not a good outcome and, and fiscal break-even prices remain very high in Bahrain. In the stronger sovereigns, so Abu Dhabi, UAE, UAE and Qatar, budgets remain largely in balance. The exception there being Kuwait, where we see wider deficits already at high levels. So let's focus maybe on Oman, um, sovereign that quite a few investors are very interested in. Um, can you just walk us through the status of the medium-term fiscal plan there? So we, we affirmed Oman's double B minus rating in May, and we also maintain the negative outlook. Now, fiscal plans have clearly taken a step forward under Sultan Haytham. The, the medium-term plan that Oman's put forward is, is the most cohesive strategy it's had for some time. And crucially, implementation has started. So what we've seen 
is lower current spending, including lower military spending, which is a big part of the budget. We've seen a very gradual increase in electricity and water tariffs uh, as part of subsidy removal. And we've seen the introduction of a 5% VAT rate. About quarter or more than a quarter of the overall fiscal saving up to 24 is planned to come from the shift of oil and gas capex off budget to the newly formed SOE Energy Development Oman. This has been delayed. It was meant to happen at the start of 21. It's been delayed, but we do expect that it will happen this year. So steps are definitely happening. There are considerable uncertainties, though, and question marks. So the plan has quite ambitious increases in non-oil revenue, which require further tax measures, including income tax, which is unheralded in the GCC, and further gains from VAT. There is also lack of clarity about dividend flows from SOEs into the budget over the course of the programme. And the plan assumes pretty resilient real GDP growth, even in the face of this kind of onslaught of fiscal consolidation. So we're more cautious on all these points. And we're also mindful of some of the risks from social disquiet in the face of subsidy removal or limits on on public sector employment. Uh, We have seen protests and calls for jobs from Omanis this year. So there are some risks in the context of a weak economic recovery. And then when we're thinking about the rating, we're also cognizant of some of the external financing challenges. Oman's external debt, net external debt positions worsen considerably. The government faces some quite large external financing needs in 22-23. And those in a way sort of double-edged sword because they highlight a level of vulnerability. For example, If global financing conditions were to tighten or if policy credibility were to slip, undermining investor confidence. In a way, though, they also may be, in the way they keep the spotlight on policy credibility, they may help. They give an incentive for the authorities to stick to their plans. So maybe going back to the GCC more generally, there are two kind of big objectives that the governments always are focusing on. On the one hand, fiscal consolidation. But on the other hand, of course, also diversification away from oil and boosting jobs for nationals. How is this tension between these two objectives playing out? So it's very tricky. One one way to square the circle is via spending across the broader public sector, by SOEs, GREs, other state-linked entities. Secondly, in addition to that, there's there's a focus on improving the business environment, trying to attract FDI. And then on the jobs front, there's just policy to try and replace expats with nationals. So ultimately, it's going to be very challenging to meet targets, even if there's progress. And there are some clear tensions. So raising utility prices to reduce subsidy spending on the budget and replacing expats in the national, in the workforce, both of these increase costs for business. So making it more difficult to attract business. The challenge, of course, is maybe less severe in in some countries, some of the stronger countries like Qatar, Abu Dhabi, UAE, where you have smaller national populations, large sovereign wealth fund assets and already low fiscal break-even oil prices. Maybe Saudi Arabia is an interesting case in point to think about this question because we have budget capex falling significantly, which is driving better fiscal outcomes. At the same time, we have spending by the public investment funds and other entities increasing as part of of ambitious economic transformation plans. I mean, we revised the outlook on Saudi Arabia to stable from negative in July because of better forecasts and government commitment to fiscal consolidation. 
Nonetheless, I mean, in the medium term, this is an important issue where if we do get higher GRE spending and debt, it could lead to different assessment of balance sheet strengths in Saudi. And to illustrate this, I mean, announced public spending plans, say from the PIF, Aramco and other entities are very large. They lack clarity on financing and the investment framework. The 21-25 PIF investment strategy has 150 billion Saudi rials of spending a year, 5% of GDP a year, already large, while a recent interview with the Crown Prince indicated double those levels. And then similar levels for Aramco, which would be double its current capex levels. So all these could materially push up leverage across the public sector. And of course, these could be productive investments, which lead to very high non-oil growth and and diversification, but there also might be elements of misallocation and a lack of sort of productivity. So this is where we see a big sort of risk from that tension in policy frameworks. Thank you for your insights, Toby, and thank you all for listening. For more information on our ratings and research on the GCC Sovereigns, please visit us at fitchratings.com. We hope you will join us for the next edition of the Fixed Interests.